Good morning. Hi, there's a few of you awake. I'm Teresa Arndt. I'm the women's pastor here at East Point, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. At this point in the service, this is where we like to take our offering. So I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. They're going to pass some buckets. This is the time of the service where it's an opportunity for those who consider East Point Church their home to give back to what God's doing here. So we invite you to do that. And if you're a visitor with us, then you just let that pass on by because we want this to be our gift to you. All right? So today we're gonna talk about what to do with obstacles. And before we get there, you can open your Bibles or get your Bible apps ready. We're gonna land in Mark chapter two. But before we talk about that, I thought I'd uh, give you a little details about myself. Um, So a lot of people don't realize this, but I'm actually a very quiet, shy introvert by nature. Don't laugh, I know some of you will think that that's not possible, but it's very true. See, I'd rather blend into the crowd than actually be noticed and cause a scene around me. Unless, unless there's something that I want really badly that's worth causing a scene for. Like when I'm really in desperate need of french fries and a chocolate milkshake. When we were in Moscow, Russia, we were, we were in the process of adopting our son. I was tired, I was hungry, I was jet lagged, I was emotional because of all the stuff going on while we were there. And I was in desperate need of some familiar American comfort food. And that was my french fries and chocolate shake when I saw the golden arches in the distance. So we made our way into McDonald's and we're standing there amongst uh, probably hundreds of people. I mean, this place was packed. It was so crowded. And we stepped into what seemed to be a line. But after about 20 minutes of people cutting in front of us and people pushing through us, we realized, yeah, we're not in America anymore. So what we realized was our ability to order our food was based on our ability to actually fight our way through the crowds and the mob and convince the person behind the counter that they should take our order. Okay, so at first I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is not worth it. I'm too tired for this. But then I realized I want my milkshake and fries. So what I did was completely out of character for me. I start elbowing my way through all of these big Russian men and I'm fighting my way, shouting above all the crowd so that the person behind the counter could hear me. And I'm literally almost grabbing a hold of them, looking them in the eye, pointing to everything that I want that's on the menu. So because we can't talk, they speak Russian, I speak American, and holding up fingers of how many things I wanted. And as they're preparing it, I'm shouting and saying, yes, yes, no, no, whatever it takes to get my milkshake and fries. See, at that moment, those shake and fries was absolutely worth overcoming my shy countenance, the crowd of rudeness around me, and the language barrier that stood in the way of between me and my fries and my milkshake. Now, since then, because I am a woman of faith and what God tends to do is he takes our circumstances or or things that we've done and he challenges us, I've gently heard Jesus whisper to me, hmm, Teresa, I so wish you had that desperate urgency for me sometimes that you portrayed at that McDonald's to get your milkshake and fries that you are so willing to overcome all the obstacles that stand in the way of you getting to me. But I am going to admit, there are times in my faith that 
obstacles have presented themselves and it has caused me to want to give up. Anybody else or am I the only one? Okay, good, good. So that's what we're gonna, what we're gonna talk about today. Why is it that I can fight my way to get milkshake and fries, but so easily give up when something blocks my path to Jesus? So in order to start looking at that, we're gonna talk about five guys who had such an urgent desperation for Jesus that they made some incredibly bold moves for their day and age to overcome every obstacle that was in their way. And that's where we're gonna start looking at Mark chapter two. We're gonna start with verses one through four. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news quickly spread that he was back home. Soon the house where he was at was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now this passage goes on and it is so rich with detail because it's one of the first times that Jesus declares his power and authority over sin and equality to God to have that power. And he also goes on and we will see he actually heals the paralyzed man. But as awesome as this passage is for those revelations, none of that matters if they didn't actually get to Jesus, if they didn't overcome the obstacles in their way to find out what he had for them. So whether you seek an encounter with Jesus for healing in your life, for forgiveness, or even just to simply figure out how to walk out this faith that he has laid before you, you are going to face obstacles. And those obstacles will make you wanna give up if you don't have an awareness of who Jesus is and all that he has for you when you reach him. See. If I was not aware of that sweet, silky, chocolatey smoothness that I was going for, I would have looked, opened the door, saw all the people and turned around about faced and walked right back out. But I knew how satisfying that milkshake was gonna be going down. So it made me fight my way through to get to what I wanted. See, when it comes to encountering Jesus, might I suggest this for our big idea today? that the obstacles we face are not the real problem. But the problem is our lack of awareness and urgency for what we will receive once we get to the presence of Jesus. See, these men had an awareness that Jesus could heal their friend. And that created an urgency to get to Jesus that made all the obstacles in the way seem like nothing more than pebbles or a change of plans and they were well worth the effort it took for them to overcome. So let's dig into three of those obstacles that we see just in this short passage, okay? So the first obstacle that they had to overcome was the obstacle of culture. 
See, what you may not know is culturally at this time, the belief was that a sickness or a physical abnormality of a person was actually a direct punishment from God for some sin in their life or their family's life. So a paralyzed man was actually considered quite the low life. He was sick because he deserved to be sick. He was considered an outcast. So when these four men show up carrying this paralyzed man and they start pushing through the crowd, touching people, causing this scene, they were actually breaking socially acceptable norms and they were offending people around them. But they had such an awareness that Jesus was a healer, that Jesus welcomed the outcast, that he wanted the sick to come to him, that that created the urgency for the healing that Jesus had, and that made it worth not being politically correct and not being socially accepted. Our American culture creates so many obstacles in our path to Jesus. I mean, God is constantly being removed from public places every minute of every day. The mouths of believers are being silenced for the sake of not offending somebody who may not be a believer. God and his word are fading in our American culture. But as hard as that is, let's bring it inward just a little bit. There's so many examples, but one of the most that I find most detrimental is in our endeavor to encounter Jesus is found within our own church culture. Let me explain what I mean. A Gallup survey was conducted and it concluded only 28% of church-going believers believes that the Bible is actually the literal word of God. That means that three out of 10 Christians believes that the Bible is actually the instruction book for our life of walking out our faith. Why is that so devastating? Because John chapter one, John introduces Jesus as the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is living manifestation of God in the flesh and God's word in our life. Therefore, the word of God, the Bible, is one of our most vital paths and connections to Jesus. And culture is saying it's not relevant. If we're not aware of what the Bible says and we don't believe it, then we are creating our own obstacle in our path to Jesus. 1 Peter 2.8 says, they stumble because they do not obey God's word. You cannot obey God's word if you do not believe that it is God's word and worth obeying. To encounter Jesus, we have to overcome the obstacle of culture, even if it's within our own American church culture, when it says that God's word is invalid or outdated. We have to fight against culture when it says it's okay to pick and choose what we wanna believe out of the Bible, or that we can live by what we see fit that personally benefits us. That when God says sex is for marriage, then we believe it and we obey it regardless of what culture around us says. When God says, do not lie, do not covet or gossip or take up idols, do not hold on to anger or forgive, then we treat those the same way that we treat his command that says, do not murder. We are arguing about the murder, but most of us want to argue about the rest of the things. 
but we cannot compromise the whole truth. See, if those five men gave up to what culture was saying, then that paralyzed man would never have been healed because culture around him said he didn't deserve to be where he was. He didn't deserve to be healed. But instead, they fought their way to Jesus, who was the truth. And our urgency for Jesus and his ways and his truth has to overcome the lies of culture around us that says that he is not. And if we're not aware of the character or the promises or the power of Jesus, if we're not studying the Bible to know what's available to us, then we're never gonna have the urgency to overcome everything standing in our way to get to it. Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. These four friends knew what the truth was. They took their paralyzed friend to the truth and broke through all the lies of the obstacles around them. Are you aware of his truth and his life-giving freedom so that you can have an urgency to overcome the culture around you to get it? The second obstacle that they had to overcome was the obstacle of others. Look at verse four again. It says, they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. See, Jesus is inside this small home right now and people are crammed inside like sardines. They're spilling out the front door, wrapped around the house, probably peering into the windows, trying to hear what Jesus is saying. See, these four guys rushed in with their paralyzed friend and they're saying, excuse me, can I get through? Pardon me, we have an urgent situation here. No one budged. Remember, they had an outcast in tow. But instead of letting the people discourage them, all they did was alter their plan. See, they climb up onto the roof and they dig a hole directly over Jesus's head. Okay, so the way the roofs were, were made back then, they were flat and they probably had wooden beams across them and across the wooden beams, they would lay these branches. And then they would pack mud into the branches which would dry in the hot sun, creating a surface for them to be on and walk on. So the men are up here digging through the dirt. So underneath, Jesus is speaking directly underneath. He's looking up and dirt's probably falling on his face and the people around them. And then they take on the not so easy task of lowering their friend boldly right in front of Jesus, interrupting his speaking and everybody around him that was listening. People had to have been saying all sorts of, do you like it when people cut in line if you're in the movie theater? No, people had to be saying all sorts of things. You can't do that. Get him out of here. He doesn't deserve to be here. But the voices of the other people did not stop them. Did you know that someone told Michael Jordan he couldn't play basketball? Did you know someone told Einstein that he would never amount to much? Did you know that someone told Walt Disney that he lacked imagination and original ideas? Did you know that sometimes people get it wrong? You see, maybe it's an unbeliever in your life. Maybe it's a wrongful actions of a believer that's in your life. Maybe it's the voice from someone in your past or present that says you're not worthy, that you should give up, that you'll never measure up. Just stop bothering. 
But what a person says about you only has value if you let it. It's only an obstacle when you choose to believe it about yourself. And to overcome what others say about you, you need to be aware of what God says about you. Here's a snippet. That you are cherished, you are celebrated, and you are chosen. And God says that you can be redeemed, restored, and renewed. Once again, here is his truth that can help you move past what others might be thinking or saying. Now, in this passage, some people created obstacles to Jesus while others created openings. Notice that the paralyzed man was taken by the four men directly all the way to Jesus. Now, here's what they didn't do. They didn't say, oh, man, your life stink. It sucks to be you. I'll pray for you and walk away. No, they didn't judge him. They didn't analyze him and they didn't try to fix him because they ultimately knew what he needed was to be in the presence of Jesus. As Christians, if we ever do anything more than take a wounded, hurting, or suffering person anywhere but to the presence of Jesus, then we are doing them a disservice to their life. Because we can care. We can support, we can encourage, but we cannot heal or fix or change another individual. Only God can. But what we are to be is the crutch that helps get them to the healer. And how do we do that? By the way, these four men did. They got their hands dirty and they got involved. Church, we've got to be more like the four friends than we are like the crowd around Jesus. Instead of rushing into our routine of church and life, we need to be asking, who can I bring to Jesus with me? There's a couple of ways to do that. And one of the best ways that we do that is simply by modeling the character of Jesus in our own life. That's what these four men did. They didn't preach at him. They didn't hit him over the head with the Bible. They took him to the truth by, by displaying who the truth was and how he behaves. Romans 15, one through three is a perfect manifestation of this. I love the message version and how it reads. It says, those of us who are strong and able in faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, what, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. This is where we're modeling Jesus's character. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in and helped out. Because see guys, when we get involved in someone's life whose faith is too weak or non-existent to get to Jesus, what we're doing by modeling him is we're increasing their awareness. So hopefully they will create an urgency to want the same thing. Another good way of bringing others to Jesus is a good old-fashioned invitation. Next week is Easter. It's one of two Sundays a year that people in our culture will actually show up to church without much of a fight. 
I encourage all of us to be asking ourselves, who can I invite with me to come and bring an opening to Jesus next week? Now, not only do we need to be like the four friends, but if we're to overcome the obstacle of people as we strive to encounter Jesus or walk out our faith, then we need others to be that for us. Because let's face it, sometimes our faith gets weak. Have you surrounded yourself with true believers who can help you overcome the lies and the misdirection of others? In order for us to do that, then we might have to overcome the last obstacle we're going to talk about today. And that is the obstacle of self. See, this man's own paralysis was an obstacle of him going to Jesus. He could not have gotten to Jesus on his own if he tried. He had to acknowledge his need of someone's help. And in order to do that, he had to overcome his pride to let them help. See, his urgency to see what Jesus would do for them, for him, had to outweigh his internal reasons convincing himself not to go. That I don't want help. I don't need help. I can do this on my own. Or I'm too lost or too far gone. Because how often do we isolate ourselves behind our pain, our sin? our insecurities, our inabilities, or even our unbelief, acting like we're the first person that's ever doubted in, in the entire existence of this world. But instead of asking for help, embarrassed, guilt-ridden, and alone, what we do is we give up on ourselves. It was this paralyzed man's willingness to be transparent in his needs that allowed for the transformation to happen in his life. Look at how Jesus responds. And see, in verse five, it tells us that he wasn't just transformed physically, he was also transformed spiritually. Because in verse five, Jesus says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, your sins are are forgiven. Now, wait a minute. See, here's the problem with that. The paralyzed man didn't come to talk about his sins. The paralyzed man came to talk about his legs and not working, and he wanted those to be healed. So at that moment, the paralyzed man had a choice. He could have been offended that Jesus didn't give him what he came for, that he was addressing something completely different, maybe even thinking Jesus was ignoring the real problem. He could have been his own obstacle and told his friends, you know what, forget this, I'm out of here, let's go. But he stayed. See, his urgent desperation to get to Jesus, the result of that left him with more than what he came for. See, Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing my own interpretation here, Jesus, I think, looked into his eyes and what Jesus was saying without saying a word was, I not only have the power to heal you physically, but I have the power to make you whole in your heart and your mind. So therefore, I am gonna give you abundantly more than what you even came and asked for. But we have to overcome the obstacle of our own agenda in order to get what Jesus sees as best in our life. 
Now notice also in that same verse, verse five, that Jesus specifically honored the collective faith with which they came. We cannot ignore that verse five starts out by saying, seeing their faith. See, it is their faith as much as his own that makes his healing possible. Without their combined bold urgency and rock solid confidence that Jesus could help him, the healing would never have taken place. None of that would have happened if the paralyzed man remained isolated in his own sin, his own pride, and his own thoughts. He had to confess it, which makes James 5.16 so extremely important in our journey. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. We can't pray for each other if we're isolating ourselves alone in our problems. Why? So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Sometimes our biggest obstacle to encountering Jesus and all that he has for us is our lack of willingness to let others do it with us. But the trade-off is this powerful and effective healing of God. Are you aware of the need for the healing power of Jesus in your life? Then it should create an urgency to overcome your pride, to overcome your sin, to overcome your doubt or unbelief. Confess it to others, to someone else who can have faith for you when you're struggling to have the faith on your own because we all falter in our faith at some point in some time. This is called a community of faith for a reason, not an island of faith. Don't do it alone. Now, here is the best part of this whole passage. Notice how the paralyzed man gets out. You remember all those crowds of people that were standing in the way? After confronting the critics in the crowd and telling them that he does have power over sin and Jesus had this dialogue going with the teachers and the critics of the crowd, he then goes to verse 10 and verse through verse 12. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out. Where, where did he walk through? He walked out through the stunned onlookers, through the crowd of people that were standing in his way. Now they're parting the seas for this paralyzed man to walk out. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. All of a sudden, the critics of the culture, the voices that were shunning them, and even the paralyzed man's own self were completely baffled by the power of what God did in his life. They stood in amazement. So maybe the awareness isn't just for what God can do in us, but right here, Jesus is saying that they were all standing in amazement because suddenly they saw what they deemed impossible. 
a paralyzed man rising to his feet, standing redeemed in his heart, his soul, his mind, and his strength, and walking straight out out of there. You cannot deny the power of God in an instant like that. We can't allow culture or the voices of others or even our own self stand in the way of getting to Jesus and receiving all that he has for us. We have to become aware of who he is and all that he has so that we can create that desperate urgency that makes every obstacle in our way seem like nothing more than a pebble or a change of plans. When I was 16, I was saved pretty young. So when I was 16, I knew that God was calling me to travel around and teach God's word, kind of like a special speaker that traveled around all different places. So I enrolled in a Christian university as a religion major. Now, while I was encouraged by some, there were some pretty strong voices that were basically deterring me from following my calling. See, they opposed having a female in their religion classes. And some of those voices were actually professors in authority over my life. Long story short, the urgency I had for Jesus could not stand up to the voices of those around me. I instead chose their approval and their acceptance. So as a result, I walked away from my calling. I did not walk away from Jesus, but I walked away from all that he called me to and all that he had for me. Fast forward to about a few years ago. I was asked to speak for a 10-minute little speaking session for a mini conference that we were doing for about 50 people. So as I'm standing there, and I'm talking with what God prepared on my heart to share with those 50 people. I gently hear whisper of God's voice in the back of my head saying, I still have this for you. Now, by this time in my life, I had learned that what Jesus had for me was worth the fight and the battle to overcome. So I said, okay, God, all right. I'm going to obey. But I asked him, would you please, would you please confirm that for me just so that I have something to stand on? Because God is gracious. He did. But it was about two years after that little 10-minute speaking session and many life changes later, Kurt, our very own pastor, walks into my office and he looks me in the eye and he says, how would you like to speak at East Point Sunday services once in a while? I had to say yes, because God was opening the door to even what I shut long ago. Now, do you think there haven't been obstacles even still? Absolutely, yes. It's not necessarily the professors that I had back then, but now it's my own self. Because every time I prepare a message and I want to stand up here and speak in front of you or anywhere else, I hear, Teresa, you're not good enough. Teresa, you're not capable of doing this. It's too late for you. You missed your chance. You missed your opportunity. What will others think? What makes you think you have anything worthwhile to say? That's the obstacles I continue to overcome. Why and how do I overcome them? Because I have surrounded myself 
literally with three or four people who will literally speak truth into my life. When I call them and say, I'm wavering, they say, no, this is what God has for you and you will push through because you know what God has for you is abundantly above and beyond anything you can ask or imagine or create with your own life. Therefore, it's because of that that I can stand up here today redeemed in God's presence, knowing that I am fulfilling all that he has for me. And that is what I want for all of you. If only I had trusted God way back then, all the things that he could have done in my life. But you know what? I can stand up here today and say, thank God he is a God of second chances. And that is what he is saying to you today. Everyone in this room will face obstacles as you seek to encounter Jesus Jesus for healing in your own personal life, for healing in your family's life, for healing in whatever you're looking for. Every one of you will seek, when you seek Jesus and all that's best for him, will have an enormous amount of obstacles because you know who doesn't want you to get there is the enemy. But you have to know that what Jesus has for you when you reach him is gonna be far abundantly above what you can even ask or imagine for yourself. What's proof of that? Jesus is proof of that. Jesus is the ultimate example. He overcame the culture. He overcame the critics. He overcame the denial of his friends, the betrayal of one of his closest companions. And ultimately he overcame himself to die on the cross. Why did he do that? Because he had such an urgency and awareness that if he didn't, all of us would perish. But he had such a desire that none of us should perish that for your sake and for my sake, he pushed through those obstacles, he pushed through the pain and he died on the cross so that every one of us in this room can stand redeemed in the presence of Jesus. That is what I want for all of us. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, first of all, thank you that you are the ultimate overcomer. Thank you that you stand in victory, seated on the throne in heaven, having conquered death. But not only that, you conquered sin, not your sin, but our sin so that we can stand redeemed. And Jesus, as your followers, you have so much for us. We never stop growing in you. We never stop receiving more of what you have for us, but there will always be obstacles in our way to get them. Lord, right here, right now, I pray that you would help increase our awareness of what you have for us in our collective faith here at East Point, as well as in each individual's heart, that we would choose to not only know what you have, but believe that you have it and that it's best for us. And then it will make and drive us to overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Because you are worth reaching, Jesus. You are worth the effort. You are worth the fight. And so are we, and you proved that on the cross. 
And maybe you're here today and this is kind of new for you and you've never accepted Jesus. You've never actually reached Jesus for the first time. You've never actually realized that his forgiveness of sins brings you a new life of freedom in Christ. I wanna pray for you right now. If you want that, then pray that with me right now. Lord Jesus, I confess that I can no longer do this life on my own. I confess my pride, my sin, my guilt, my shame. You died for all of those things so that I could be free from every single one of them. And Lord, I accept that from you. And I trust that you are the truth and I will seek after your truth for my life from here on out because I want what you have for me, not what the world has for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your covering, for your forgiveness, for your healing, for your power. Lord, we commit all of these things to you and ask that you would deplete the obstacles just like you depleted death on the cross. Give us that same power in our life, Jesus, to make us overcomers in this life. In your name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna sing one last song. The obstacle of culture is not here right now because we are a Bible-believing church that knows that the truth will set you free. The obstacle of others is not here right now because you have people surrounding you that are praying that each of you will have an encounter with Jesus. The only obstacle that might still be standing in the way is yourself. As you sing this song, I pray that you can lay down all of those things that may stand in the way of you encountering Jesus in a real and personal way right here, right now. As we sing this song, pray that that happens for you. I pray that that song is your anthem this week. And I pray that you can walk out these doors, face your obstacles in a whole new light, that you're aware of what's waiting on the other side of them. If you became a Christ follower today, for the first time you accepted Jesus, we have a gift for you on the tables on your way out the door. It's just this little gift bag. It's got a Bible and some good first step instructions on how to get you started. One of the best ways to get you started is if you just made a decision for Christ, just come back next week and get baptized because that's a surefire way for the, the Holy Spirit to manifest your decision in Christ and make others aware of what Jesus is doing in you. If you need prayer, if you need someone to partner with you, to surround you, to take you to Jesus, we're gonna have a prayer team at the front. Come forward and talk to them. Tell somebody about your experience with Jesus. I hope to see all of you back next week. Thank you for letting me share my heart. Have an incre incredible week coming up. Love you guys.